Hey, welcome everyone. Good evening. Broadcasting live, August 23rd. Today we have a quote from the Diga Nikaya. Maybe we'll, well, the format we can use is to take a moment, we can take a moment to talk about what's going on rather than talk about it afterwards. Uh, so give an update on, on how things are going. We are well into, we've, we're in an accelerated process of starting a monastery in West, West End of Hamilton, Dundas area. Today I made the final visit to the house. I just got back about an hour ago. And we're moving in on September 1st. It's final, or fairly final. And so September 1st, we will be taking over the house. <clears throat> That's about it. So um, the big, well, we'll talk about this later. We're going to have a volunteer meeting at the end of this. So don't run away if you're interested in helping out. Robin's going to coordinate that. Because uh, for this to really happen and to be to to be sustainable, we're going to need a group. I'm going to need some effort. We've set up a newsletter. We used to have a mailing list called Canada at Sirimongolo.org, and people would get emails from that list. We never sent very many emails out, but. Uh, that was around 2012, and so we've taken all those emails and we've unilaterally subscribed all those same people. Well, we just renamed the mailing list, actually. So now it's newsletter at sirimongolo.org, and those same people will be getting the first newsletter. Hopefully that's not a problem for anybody. And we've also started another mailing list called volunteer at sirimongolo.org. That will be the volunteer list. And that will be that will be more of a interactive mailing list for volunteers. And the other one will be more of a one-way mailing list. Anyway, more about that in the meeting, right? Otherwise, not much happening around here. I gave a subway card to the monk who drove me today. He's very happy because he goes to school, studies English. And so having, a, I'm, I'm introducing them all to subway sandwiches. And I know we talked, we talked about it and, and subway, I agree that subway probably isn't the best choice because it is meat and buying meat is probably problematic so um, yeah better if there were a vegetarian alternative but whatever it's not like it's unethical to eat dead stuff anyway let's get right into it not you were sorry you were gonna say something Robin 
Oh, I was just asking if that was Venerable Dhammo that you. No, it was the younger one of the younger monk Dara. Oh. He's uh, he's driven me quite a bit lately. He drove me to the same place yesterday. This morning he took Anthony and me to uh, eat to the mall. So he's been quite amenable. But then he said to me, he said, you still got those subway cards? <laughs> he said, yeah, you want one? Yeah, give one to me. That's nice, everybody working together. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I could help him out. Okay, so Robin, would you please read the quote? Yes. The Lord said, if anyone should criticize me, the Dhamma or the Sangha, you should not because of that be angry, resentful or upset. For if you did, that would hinder you and you would not be able to know whether what they said was right or wrong, would you? No, Lord. So if others criticize me, the Dhamma or the Sangha, simply explain what is incorrect, saying, that is incorrect, this is not right, that is not our way, we do not do that. But also, if others should praise me, the Dhamma or the Sangha, you should not, because of that, be pleased, elated, or self-satisfied. For if you were, that would hinder you. So if others praise me, the Dhamma or the Sangha, then simply explain what is correct, saying, that is correct, that is right, that is our way, that is what we do. Thank you. The, this is an awesome quote to keep in mind, you know, when trying to spread the Dhamma, when trying to defend the Dhamma, trying to defend the Buddha, defend your, your practice. It's something that Buddhists from time to time ignore and take, take it as given that you should be prepared to uh, work, work outside of the Dhamma to protect the Dhamma. And that's not the case. You can't, the, the Dhamma of the Buddha cannot be protected by breaking the Dhamma, by, by breaking away from the Dhamma. You think um, of these situations where Buddhists have tried violently sometimes to protect their their countries more, but, but they say to protect their religion as well. And the idea is that the religion, monks go along with it because the idea is that the religion would suffer if we didn't um, you know, violently protect the, the monks and protect our culture, and keep people from other cultures from gaining power, etc., etc., and of course, it's great if, if we can do that. It's great if monks can flourish. It's great if Buddhists can flourish. It's great if our Buddhist culture can flourish. But it doesn't flourish uh, it, through violence. And so what you see instead is the accusations of other people. Buddhists are like this. The name of Buddhist. Yes, you protected people and you protected activities, but you didn't protect the Dhamma. You have soiled the Dhamma. Now, for the longest time, we would say things like, no war has ever been fought in the name of Buddhism. But I don't think that's true in, in, in just the past 30 years, 
no, less than that, right? The past maybe decade or two, wars and conflicts do seem to have been waged to try and protect Buddhism. So you say in self-defense, I guess, is the idea, but it's not a very good defense. I don't really know what the answer is sometimes. You know, sometimes if people are besmirching the name of Buddhism, I mean, that's what's going on here. Here it's just simply criticizing. But what happens when you're actually attacking monks? You know, it's much harder for us to be neutral and to keep to the principles of the Dhamma. Like in India, I wonder what really happened on the ground when the Muslim invaders came and killed all the monks. I wonder what happened in Cambodia when the communists came in. and What happened on the ground? What did the people do? You know, I mean, there's resistance, and those resistance fighters are Buddhist. Tibet. Tibet, they fought back. In Burma, they're fighting against the Muslims. And I think, you know, they can say what they want, but a part of it is just a, a, a deep-seated dislike of, of people who are not Buddhist. And part of it is that, whether it's, whether it's justified violence or not. It's, I mean, it's, no violence is ever justified, is the point. And, and the deeper point is breaking the Dhamma is not the correct way. It's not the way. The point is you lose the Dhamma yourself. You no longer, yes, if you do that, maybe you protect something, but you, we, we, the Dhamma loses you. It loses your purity. You become a sub, uh, worthy of criticism. Even just getting angry. I mean, this is the the, this, the 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 situation is: you come to someone, you talk with them, they start to criticize Buddhism. Buddhism, you get angry, and immediately turn the person off. And they think, well, what the heck is this? You know, you're the representative of this religion. Great, a bunch of angry people. They get the wrong idea about Buddhism. Is the point. And the same with praise. When people praise the Dhamma, and then you puff, get all puffed up, again you lose them. It's not impressive for you to gloat. It's not impressive to see people gloat. What's impressive is for people, the people who are unmoved, who are truly uh, not looking for praise and unmoved by blame. This is what's impressive about the Dhamma, is people who are unmoved by praise, blame, uh, happiness, suffering, uh, riches, poverty. Uh, uh, fame and infamy. People who look for something deeper. It's impressive for people who aren't moved by material things. Impressive to see. It's impressive to find that Buddhists are unmoved. And it's what impresses people. It, so you do you do an injustice to Buddhism, by, to the Buddhist practice, to the meditation practice. But he says something else here that's also interesting and a little bit more um, neutral, I suppose, is that um, you would you just wouldn't be able to tell the truth. How could you possibly um, 
represent you know how could you possibly rebut the argument if you're angry your mind becomes clouded how could you possibly um, give the proper response how could you possibly convince the other person and this is an interesting point in regards to debate um, the most effective deba debate is one that's that's undertaken calmly you know, without getting upset in a debate the one who wins the person who wins is the one who is unruffled right well we're you know buddhist practice is perfect for training in that when you train in the practice of meditation your ability to, to debate i mean it shines through the practice shines through in, in the debate so the, the the upshot of that is if you're if you're getting angry during a debate you're not really you know you're not a very good representative of buddhism Why are people calling me? Oh, someone wants to maybe join the hangout. Calling me is no good. You have to get an invitation. And if I don't know you, you won't get an invitation. I'm sorry. It's kind of, I think that's kind of a rule. If I haven't seen you before, if we haven't met before, there's, a, there's levels, you know? And I think that's a good criteria. If we haven't met, then well, you know, it's not it's not like status symbol or something. It's not like pride or something. It's that you know, we've been burnt before by people who we didn't really know, and so so how do you judge? You think well, okay, if if I've met you, then we can, you know, if I met you and didn't you didn't go crazy or didn't you know, be a mean and evil person? You have to tell your troll story. Which one was that? I've had lots where, of troll stories. Where I guess people came in the hangout and took over and kicked you oh, out. Oh, the hangout troll story. Yeah, they kicked us out of our own hangout. Public, because you can do public hangouts that anyone can join. And they're advertised, or they used to be. I mean, this was years ago, actually. Um, and someone figured out how to inject bots into the hangout. And once they get a majority in the hangout, they can kick everybody else out. It's terribly rude of them. Oh, they just came in. Were you? You weren't there, though, were you, Robin? No, no. Oh, it was, they were awful. They just—you could tell that they were not serious because they were pretending to ask questions and they were asking all sorts of and giggling and so. Bunch of teenage boys. So anyway, that's the quote tonight good one to remember stay calm you want to impress people if, if you have the desire the intention to spread buddhism be buddhist you know it's it's unique kind of in that way because it's not it's not something outside of yourself it's it has intrinsically to do with with the individual right it's not like believe in jesus you know where you could be any any sort of person and still believe in eggs right in buddhism it's not like that it's like become a good person you know and well if you're not a good person and you're saying that it's hypocrisy right anyway does anyone have any questions we've got a good number of people tonight
I'm just going to express my Anamodana for people. We've we've put to good use this this concept of meaningless uh, internet points. Yes, we've turned it into a means of showing people that you appreciate them. If you hover over it, it says Anamodana. Well, thank you. I just realized I've been mispronouncing it all this time. I thought it was Anumodana. 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 Because it's feminine, I think. So it's Anumodana. Okay. Anumodana. The, the emphasis would be on the O, though. Anumodana. Anumodana. Bhante, what are your top five must-read Buddhist publications from past or present day? No, oh, come on. You expect me to rattle them off here and now? I have no idea. I couldn't give you in order, but I could I could tell shout out some of the publications. I mean, the Sudhi Magas up there, but higher than that are like um, the Majjhima Nikaya. Majjhima Nikaya may not be number one, but it's way up there. I um, don't know so much about the Diganikaya because it, the translation isn't as good. It's not by Bhikkhu Bodhi. So you recommend the Bhikkhu Bodhi translations? Oh, absolutely. He's number one. Um, but the Diganikaya as well. It's definitely worth reading. The Sutta Nipata is a good book, short, but uh, but you know it's considered to be... I mean, they don't really know, but people make all these speculations about saying the Sutta Nipata is very old, you know, very authentic. So if they say, which is more authentic, less authentic, anyway. And Sutta Nipata is it's a good one. Um, other things, like, and for different reasons, like the Dhammapada commentary. I cried when I first read the Dhammapada commentary. Uh, the Dhataka commentary. Those are two two bodies of literature that won't give you too much deep knowledge of Buddhism, but you know if you're looking for some light Buddhist reading there, and if you're the kind of person who likes, you know, or not likes, but is okay with fantastical stories that are often way over the top, if you can suspend your disbelief and not try to read them for spiritual or for historical accuracy. They're great, great bodies. You know, if you just look at them from the point of view of literature, if you were to do that, they're great works. But moreover, they give us Buddhist a sense of Buddhist culture. There's a a good book called um, "In the Words of the Buddha" or something by Nyanam, also by Nyanamoli. It's a it's in the form of a a screenplay. Nyanamoli, Words of the Buddha, or something like that. And it was written in the form of a screenplay. And it was it's really interesting because he pulls sources in from everywhere. It's all, almost all, um, just translations. But they're put together in such a way that they, uh, they... And then there's a narrator on top, I think, that he wrote himself. But the rest of it is just translations put together in such a way that it forms a cohesive whole and i always thought if we could get enough people together to perform the screenplay even just the voices right 
to do it as an audiobook with five or six voices. But we'd have to get people who are really good English. I mean, we have we're doing that now with the Visuddhi Manga, but I think to to do it and to have it publishable, you know, presentable, we'd need to gather people whose English was really good and get them together. You wouldn't even have to get together because each person could record their own stuff at their own time. But you'd have to have a good English voice and good pronunciation. Um, I don't know if I'd even qualify because I mumble a lot. Um, but you know, maybe we could get some of the people like maybe uh, maybe Biko Bodhi would do that, be one of the voices. Do you think he would? He's very busy. If he wasn't so busy, I think I think actually it is a it is a project that we could push push him to. It'd be interesting. I'm sure we could find enough people. We just have to hold auditions or something, get people who are actually capable of doing it. We can get like Patrick Stewart or something. Maybe we could get him to help. <laughs> Morgan Freeman always does great voice work. We'll get Morgan Freeman. Hmm. Ready for another question? Yeah. What can we do when others insist that we take one religion instead of Buddhism? When people insist, well, we can say thank you. You know what I do? Did they, I mean, many of you have heard this story, I think. Um, Robin, you're a good judge. You're, you'll be my litmus test. Have you heard the story of how I went to this church and asked them all those questions, all sorts of questions? No. This is my story of my, okay, then there's a good, but some of you probably have heard it. I tell this story often. When I was in Los Angeles, um, big, Thai temple and like the Wat Thai of LA this is where I was staying and right down the road there's Grace Bible Church or something like that it's evangelical Christians and so they were sending some young well, some women over to teach English to the monks there was a group of four or five of them and Someone mentioned to me that, that there were English teachers, and I said, oh, well, why don't you bring them over, and maybe they'd be interested in practicing meditation. You know, if they're helping the monks, that's a great thing. Let's um, show them what we have to offer. But turns out they were just from Grace Bible Church, and I don't even remember. That's maybe not quite the name, but something like that. Um, and all they wanted to do was, the, the whole idea was to convert people, was to pull people away from Buddhism. So they had no interest in meeting me. They, they came to meet me, but they were so cold, and the head, the one who was the leader of the pack, I, I, I gave my business card out, and she, she said, we don't want your business card, we don't want your card, not business card, my monk card, my name card, it's not a business card, it has my name, and I said, you know, if you ever have any questions, or you want to, it had my, I think, YouTube link or some link on it, so if you're ever interested, and I said, no, we're not interested, it was just like, boom, <laughs> shut down. And we talked a little bit, and I tried to, you know, just give them, explain to them what we do, and say, you know, obviously if you're not interested, you're not interested, but this is what we do. And then they left. So I thought that was it. And then that night, the leader woman comes back with her leader man, her husband, and her leader children. And they're the leader family. They're, the, they're like the, the, the iconic evangelical Christian family. 
and the kids are even spouting the same dogma. I mean, these kids are totally, you know, if, if you were put a negative spin on it, you say brainwashed, but I'm not going to say brainwashed, but you get the idea. Basically brainwashed. Um, and so I asked, we talked with them, and I asked the kids something, and, and the father said, it's okay, you can answer. And he answered stuff, like, like, like just, I don't know, the kid was maybe five or something, or seven, eight, I don't know, ten maybe. But we talked for a while, and we actually, I was with, um, I was being visited by the, at the time by this kind of wacky uh, Buddhist, no, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist meditator. She wasn't really Buddhist, but she came to visit me and we talked about meditation. And she did practice the meditation a little bit, but she was more into Hinduism, a good friend. And so she'd come and we'd sit and talk in the evenings. And she happened to be there. So the two of us ganged up on these guys, ganged up on the husband, because the others were not really, the, the woman and the children were not really all that act, in, active. But she brought him because I think he's a pastor at the church. And he brought his big Bible as well. And we ganged up on him. And that's the wrong thing to do to Christians. Do not gang up on them. Do not attack them. Do not ridicule them. Because you can do it. I mean, Christianity, honestly, I mean, this is speaking, you know, in the confidence of this totally private conversation here. You know, it's not something you'd say in public. But um, Buddhism is on a whole other level Buddhism, and, and I can say that kind of objectively because Hinduism is also on a whole other level. If you're going to be theistic, a religion like Hinduism is so much more sophisticated for as a theistic religion. Like the, the whole idea of God, it's not that Hinduism is different from Christianity and Buddhism is different from Christianity. Christianity is, I mean, what is it? What really are the teachings? Very, very, very little compared to the copious and in-depth you know, there's there's no comparison. Read the Majjhima Nikaya, read the, the the suttas, and you see that it's just on a whole other whole other level, really. I mean, it sounds kind of arrogant and conceited, and people will certainly take it that way. But as a scholar, my opinion is there there's a huge difference between these religions. So you could tear apart these views and say, well, they're kind of. I think the word would, would be um, what's the word? Um, no, maybe it's not, but quaint, I guess. I mean, it's not the right word, but but th these these views are are simplistic, to say the least. I mean, you get some fairly simple simplistic views, put them together, and you've got uh, a religion. Believe in Jesus, you go to heaven. Don't believe in Jesus, eternal hell. Not much more depth beyond that. You know, a lot of old rules, but all religions have those old rules. Do this, and if anyone does this, we stone them. If anyone does that, we you know kick them out rules about castration and or not about um, what circumcision and all that cultural rules cultural norms um, and some platitudes you know you've got Jesus saying some powerful things and the Sermon on the Mount and all that but compare it to Buddhism or Hinduism and it, it's really a whole other caliber order of magnitudes different anyway don't do that don't say things like I just said Right? It does because it, it's true. I mean, you can pick apart these arguments, and they don't have much to answer, but it doesn't phase them. It doesn't affect them. So, if someone comes to you with their other religion and is pushing their other religion on on you, don't criticize them. 
take this person as a human being and this is really good advice when dealing with anyone know your audience and talk to your audience you're not a voice recorder you know don't do what other what most religious people do and that's repeat dogma it didn't work and we could see that it didn't you know we won and we were sitting there kind of you know kind of feeling good but inside I knew this 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 wasn't you know it didn't affect them so it was kind of just fun it was actually it felt like we were you know sharpening our our knives you know it felt like it was kind of practice for us you know? so she would say something and I would say something and but it wasn't fun it wasn't really in the end it wasn't right you know and so they left and we thought that was it again or it should have been it but then you know this brain you know came up with something and i that night when i was meditating or the next morning i said no in the next morning when i was walking on alms yard i said to myself you know they came and visited us so all's fair fair is fair i should go visit them and i went walked barefoot i think down to their 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 huge church that takes up three city blocks and walked in the gate went looking around trying to find someone to talk to and there was a big building i the first big building that i came to actually looked in this glass door and it was full of people so i snuck i i, I crept in you know slipped in and went to stand up against the wall with a couple of other people a, an asian a man of asian features but he was definitely american uh stood beside him and started listening because it turns out this room is full of people mostly sitting down and there's a guy up on a stage preaching something and so i started listening to him as i started listening the guy this this guy next to me handed me his bible and said we're here we're, and and it was this little bible and he even said you can keep that he gave me his bible this little guy bible with gold uh plating on it what do you say gold plating gold uh, you know edging edging mm. and so i started reading what they were reading and then i got bored of that and so i started flipping looking in the index for words that were in interest to me love i looked up love saw that god is love um, and and looked up a few things that were of interest and then i slipped out i didn't wait for the end of it and i, I went to sit outside under a tree and um, started reading the bible or kept reading the bible and then this whatever it was they were doing ended and they started pouring out people started you know, the people started coming out and the the man who had asian features came up to me and um i started asking me some questions about who i was and you know what i why i had come maybe i don't know but then the big guy who had been up on stage comes barreling out with a bible that's literally you know it's this big he's got a bible the bible's bible and he comes barreling over to me with a huge smile on his face and he says i saw you in the back there and i thought what an opportunity <laughs> and then my mind of thinking oh no 
but like I, it was it was new you know this was a new experience and so i took it a whole other way i took the opportunity to ask his ask him questions about his religion so i just started asking him questions mostly neutral some a little bit pointed and and you know directed and some trying to find common ground between our religion you know i said so you say god is love i don't remember what my point was i had you know it was interesting to 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 try and uh, redirect their religion or re re reinterpret their religion in, in a certain way but I, it started asking started asking about faith and about belief about um, whether children go to hell children who die prematurely and never have a chance to believe in Jesus Christ do they go to hell what about people who have have lived in a place where they're unable to meet with the teachings do they, and apparently they go to hell as well I don't know about children I can't remember but yeah. Um, and then we got onto the the idea of faith, and this is where it really you know the, this this manner of inquiry, because you see that's what they want. What does he want from me? He wants an opportunity to expound. He wants to preach, so give it to him. You know, let him preach, and the truth will come out you know if your objective and your mind is clear clear enough to catch an uh, you know an, um what do you call it uh, the a discrepancy you know and and I'm seeing my english terrible when something is incongruous no uh, it's also been a long day in my defense anyway something that's wrong you know something that they've said that's a mistake they misspoke or something or it's illogical unreasonable uh, then you you can question them on it and say well well doesn't that mean this or or you know not not so maybe so um, aggressive but pointed in certain cases and in inquiring and you force them to go over this and they will feel when when they come to a spot that is not reasonable they will feel it they will feel it challenge their faith and if you make them go over enough of that it's very difficult to keep the faith when you're spouting nonsense right when you're saying things that just don't make sense so you don't have to and you shouldn't be aggressive and pushy and and uh, you know it doesn't appear to be attacking them you should be giving them a chance to say what they're going to say and and if you do that either a their teaching is solid sound and based on the truth or b it's going to shake them up and that's what it did with this guy this is and this guy was the, the conference turns out this this talk that they were having turns out to be all the pastors from the whole greater los angeles area maybe or you know i don't know i didn't get details coming together these were pastors coming together to listen to the super pastor who had come down from San Francisco that's where this guy was from he said he's the there to teach the pastors and he was wavering I got him to waver and I felt it but you know it was you could tell that he was just you know preaching and it really felt like he didn't even believe any of this stuff but it was his job to to push it on me and that's what it felt like as a Buddhist who you know feels much I would say much more comfortable in in the teaching but then was the, the kicker was talking about faith and I said you know and he said if you have perfect faith in in Jesus Christ it never wavers 
And so I said to him, has your faith ever, does your faith ever waver? And you could, I could feel him waver. I don't know. I mean, I'm not psychic or anything, but you could just, you know how you get this this sense? Like, you could, it was like his whole being. His, if he had a soul, it would have gone like this. And, uh, and then he said, I have to say it, it never has. But I got him, you know, just with that one question. It was like a build-up. I hadn't even been trying, but it just built up, built up until I hit him with that. You know, and I, it, I can't, you know, it's not like feel proud of that or anything, but it was, it was an experience for me to, 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 to go through this and, you know, to, to really lead him to his own undoing. And it felt like, I mean, I'm sure he's still a pastor of pastors somewhere, but it, it was an example to me of, of uh, really proper etiquette, you know, this is how you approach people. And this is what went on. I mean, a part of it, I guess, is taking the example in the Tibitika. You've got this text here, right? And don't, don't, don't go about trying to promote, you know, chest, ba chest pound. You know, it's not about promoting yourself and belittling others. It's about coming to the truth. If what we teach is wrong, we want to know it as much as you do. Uh, yeah. People don't listen when you when you try to you know be harsh or no, shout them it. down. But what you did, you know that at least he listened, at least for that moment. You probably later decided you were the devil trying to make him waver. But but that that experience for him has to change him. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I don't know how big of a deal it was for him. But it you know if he gets that enough, if people get that, and certainly a pastor of pastors, I doubt he's going to be reachable. But you've weakened that you know, sort of overconfidence that he had. He was way overconfident. It was like a making up for his own doubts, you know, his own, you know, it's over the top. And that's, that's another thing about spreading the, the teachings because if you're very charismatic, you can sell what, ice, cube, ice cubes to Eskimos. Um, ice to Eskimos. So, so, it works that that works to when you're when you're super confident but it's not sustainable and it it comes back to bite you because it works on the first person and when you're not able to keep it up because confidence that is not grounded in reality you know, it's, that's that's not simply the confidence that comes with knowing you are right beyond any doubt um it's hard to maintain this is another reason, this is my theory, is of why other religions are so, some religions are so keen to promote their faith, because it's hard to believe, you know, and belief, the, the best way to, to keep belief is to find some way to cultivate the confidence needed to believe something that has no rational explanation or this, you know, no rational basis. And one of the great ways to do that is to push it on other people, right? When you're talking about it and when you're making effort to cultivate this confidence and this certainty that, that you don't really feel normally, um, it, it, it bolsters your confidence. And then when other people agree with you, when you can manage to get them to agree with you, boy, does that boost your, con your own confidence, right? And then it's like a drug and you have to keep getting it. And so proselytizing becomes an addiction. That's my theory.
super faith can overcome any logic. Might have to go through the remaining questions a little quicker just so we have time for our meeting. Oh, we're late. For, when was the meeting supposed yeah. to be? Um, nine, minute, nine minutes ago. Okay, let's but go through I, them. Yeah, I think we've got some questions uh, that can probably go pretty thing? quickly. The, yeah, what do you call them, the bullet answers or something? Or something. Okay. Shotgun round, what's it called? Go the ahead. most okay. The most important gift that Buddhism has given you. I can't talk about myself. Next question. Okay. Do you think it would be beneficial for someone without access to a teacher to study the stages of insight knowledge? My teacher said it will actually hurt you. you no, know, he was he had quite strong language, but. He can be somewhat traditional at times, so um, but you know he's he's an awesome you know he's he's the best he's number one he's who we who I look up to as my number one source of truth uh, besides practice but um, yeah that's what he said so and Mahasi Sayada gives the but Mahasi Sayada is a little bit more lenient. He gives he gives this teaching on the stages of knowledge, saying that this is meant designed for people who have already gained some realization. But then at the end of it, at the very end, he says, I said in the beginning that, but this could be potentially a benefit. And I think part of part of that end statement was was realizing that the way he was writing it, because in the beginning he realizes that when he's writing this, it's going to only be accessible to people who have knowledge so when he writes it he actually seems to write it a little bit more directed towards towards anyone and so by the end he's he's realized that the way he's written it could also be accessible but there are books that aren't in english but there are books in thai that they won't give out to meditators and they're very strict about not sharing with just anyone they try to be anyway you know there are, and there are it's true i i had one book i don't know if i still have the thai book but it has detailed explanations of exactly what you're supposed to look for and, and really breaking down a meditator's experience so that the teacher can, um, can recognize the stages of knowledge. It's quite detailed and it's certainly not something that you'd want to give to someone who is practicing on their own because they're just going to start looking for it. I did that. I was given the, probably given this sort of knowledge too early. And it was really difficult. At, at, there was a point where it was really difficult to not be looking for it, to not be expecting and saying, was that this? Was that this? I've had students who did that as well. I had one student, after we explained the stages of knowledge to her, she came back and, and said she she thought today we, she was in three different knowledges and you know, three different stages of knowledge. And uh, I mean, it was just the way she was saying it. It was clear that there was some sort of uh, miscommunication maybe or, or over over um, confidence in the texts anyway sorry bullet next question okay um, for someone who is unable to obtain vegetarian meals they are concerned that they might be breaking a precept no you're not breaking a precept there could be something unethical about buying meat. I will, I will grant that, but it's only a could be, and it's whatever it is. It's you have to sort of weigh it in terms of what is expedient. You know, if it's really and really difficult, 
and inconvenient to get vegetarian meals, then I don't think you're out of line to get to to buy meat. But yes, the, hmm. I was just going to say the question is from a person who's living in a shelter and mm -hmm. is afraid to ask the administration for a vegetarian meals. So no, I mean certainly, certainly not. No, it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. The the being who once owned that body has long since given it up. Has in in almost all cases has no vested interest in the in what's left of their body. I mean, everything is, you know, this thing was, this microphone probably has components in it that were once alive, you know, once sentient, once a, a part of a sentient being. And they're not anymore. And so I feel confident using it. This cotton probably at one point contains atoms that at one point were, I mean, it's, what is it? It's It's not even real the point is not to have anything to do with killing and some people say well you know if you buy meat you're you're um encouraging killing but anyway it's too big of a topic to get into no you're not breaking a precept don't worry about it much more important things to worry about and let's see last question um what does buddhist philosophy say about the role of faith in the practice of enlightenment Faith must be balanced with wisdom. If you do, if you have lots of faith but no no wisdom to back it up, you it's like a, a boat without a rudder or without a centerboard. If you know anything about a keel or a centerboard, that there's this interesting thing about boats is you think a boat would just because of its shape it would just go straight, but it doesn't. A sailboat will not go straight. A sailboat will go sideways unless it has a centerboard. And it's just this little board that goes down that keeps it going straight. Wisdom is like that. With faith, you can go, but you don't know where you're going. Without any guide, how do you know which to believe in, right? Without any wisdom. Okay. So. We're ready to start the volunteer group. Let's end this. Say goodnight. Wait, Apologize that we've taken so much time. Sundays, we have to remember then. That Sundays, we can't do... Uh, not long sessions so just just to explain um we're kind of in the middle of testing out platforms we were we tested out a couple of um platforms which would allow everyone to be in the same in the same online group which would be great but one was glitchy and the other one was it was also glitchy or it need oh the other one needs needs its own server so at the moment all we have at our disposal is google Google Hangouts, which allows 10 people to be on video, but everyone else, if you all stay in the group, um, you know, you will still interact, you'll still watch and get all the information, and hopefully by next week we'll have something a little more formal. How about out. we do it like that? Do you have a list of people who are ready to join the Hangout already? Yes. 10 people? Uh, nine people. Nine people? Yeah. How do we do, it? How do, we do that? There's, only, there's already two of us, or should I get out? Oh, no, that's including us. Oh, nine people. Okay, so we have one more space. First person to give us their email address in the chat box gets to be the tenth person. How about that? And but, so, is, and the other thing is, it's going to be live. Don't don't everybody yeah. jump all at once because it's going to be live. So you have to be willing to, um, you know, be out there. Be be like I am, just you know, here live. Um, but we'll get this started up. But don't go away. Just you know, hang in there. And um, if it's going to be. The other thing is it's not going to be at my YouTube channel. It's going to be at the new 
Siri Mongolo International YouTube channel. So Robin is going to put a link to it. Uh, you can just put a link to the channel. I think it comes up at the top. Um, but you can put a link also to the Hangout itself. But we're starting a new channel that's going to be for our organization. It'll be far less entertaining, I think, but far more useful. No, yes. useful in a different way. Yes, yeah, so just be focused on the, the volunteer. Okay, awesome. So if it takes a moment to for me to get this going, forgive me, it's new to me, but I will be back in just a moment. Okay. Thank you, Bhante. See you in a moment. Thank you, Robin. And we're going offline.